and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, You do not realize now what I am doing, but later you will understand. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered, Unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Then Lord, Simon Peter replied, Not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. Jesus answered, Those who have had a bath need only to wash their feet. Their whole body is clean, and you are clean, though not every one of you. For he knew who was going to betray him, and that was why he said not everyone was clean. When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you not understand what I have done for you, he asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I... Your Lord and teacher have washed your feet. You also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly, I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. This is the word of our Lord. great getting away from the regular rhythm and routine of life, isn't it? I don't know about you, but it's certainly a highlight on our calendar. I look forward to that two-week break in April and that two-week break in the September school holidays. I grew up in a family where, you know, family holidays were really important. We'd go to the south coast for a good part of January. It was just a really special time to be away as a family, kind of just to break that regular rhythm and routine of the daily grind. Getting away by yourself as a couple or as a family is really, a, is really important and something that many, if not all of us, like to prioritise. However, the process of getting packed and ready to leave is always a challenge, especially when there are young children involved. When you are getting ready to leave, you're not only thinking about preparing for the destination, you are also thinking about what is going to be left behind. Pets may need minding, mail may need to be collected, perishable food items need to be dealt with, bills may need to be paid, the house is often in need of cleaning before you leave. There is a lot of housekeeping to take care of when you go away, isn't there? It can be challenging. It can be stressful. It's, it, there's the anticipation of going away, but there's also that, that stress of getting organised to go, but also getting organised to leave. In a sense, Jesus is in housekeeping mode in John chapter 13. As verse 1 indicates, Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. His heart was in two places. And I'm certain that in spite of how traumatising the journey was going to be for Jesus, there would have been anticipation that soon 
he would be reunited with his father. But his heart was also with these 12 men whom he had spent three memorable, life-changing years with. Shared experience really cements friendship. And these guys had shared so much together. Shared experience uh, grows the bonds of relationship. And the bonds of relationship had grown deep during this time. Jesus had shared so much with his disciples. He had seen them grow in faith and confidence and knew the potential that lied within each one of them. Jesus loved these guys and his heart was beginning to accept the reality that very soon they would part ways. Verse 1 says so much about the depth of love Jesus had for his disciples. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. There's such a strong sense of family here. Having loved his own. Jesus had handpicked these men and shared himself completely with them. With thoughts turning toward his imminent death, Jesus begins the process of cleaning and preparing to leave. Chapters 13 to 17, known as the Upper Room Discourse, are unique to John's Gospels. In these four chapters, we get an intimate glimpse into the words that Jesus wants to imprint on the hearts and the minds of his followers. We witness him in an undignified, most unlikely posture of service. No doubt pointing to something far grander. And we get to listen in on a conversation Jesus has with his Father, the true Lord's Prayer. Whilst John emphasises the content of the dialogue that takes place, Luke 22, 7 to 13 offers some information from a slightly different angle. Luke is more interested as a, a doctor. He's more interested in the detail of what was going on. And so we read from verse 7, Now the festival of unleavened bread arrived when the Passover lamb is sacrificed. Jesus sent Peter and John ahead and said, Go and prepare the Passover meal so we can eat it together. Where do you want us to prepare it? They asked him. He replied, As soon as you enter Jerusalem, a man carrying a pitcher of water will meet you. Follow him. At the house he enters. Say to the owner, The teacher asks, Where is the guest room where I can eat the Passover meal with my disciples? He will take you upstairs to a large room that is already set up. That is where you should prepare our meal. They went off to the city and found everything just as Jesus had said, and they prepared the Passover meal there. Now, it's not as if Jesus was able to send the man with the picture a text to say, you know, you know Simon and, and John are on their way. They'll be there shortly. If you could just take care of these arrangements, I'll fix up the bill a little bit later. I mean, there's a sense here of of just the incredible wonder of of Jesus knowing that this man would be open to what was going to happen. There are all kinds of little things like that that we often miss in Scripture. This is the first time that Jesus and his disciples had met in the upper room. It was a private place 
They met there intentionally because they wouldn't be found or disturbed. Jesus was aware that Judas would very soon betray him. Therefore, in order to have the space to share a final meal and his most important necessary, it was so important that they were able to meet somewhere that was hidden and private. With a mixed heart of deep love for his disciples, anticipation to be with his father, sorrow that one of his own would betray him, and dread at his imminent torture and death, Jesus did a most unusual and deeply moving thing. He got up from the table, wrapped a towel around his waist, knelt down, assuming the posture of a humble servant, and began washing his disciples' feet. A few years ago, you might recall a reality TV program called Undercover Boss. The basic premise of the show is CEOs spending time undercover as an entry-level employee for a week. A complete role reversal, if you like. At the end of their week undercover, the boss returns to his or her true identity and requests the employees they worked with individually to see him or her at corporate headquarters. The boss reveals their true identity and rewards hard-working employees through promotion or financial rewards. Other employees are given training or better work conditions. It was amusing to see the boss in such a lowly position, often doing fairly menial tasks. And as the viewer, there were times when you, you almost felt like this isn't the place for a CEO. It was equally amusing for some confronting when the true identity of the CEO was in fact revealed. Whilst Jesus didn't go undercover, he assumed a lowly position. And in doing so, Jesus illustrated that there is no limit to how low his love will stoop to serve those who he came to save. John 13 is a narrative of Philippians 2, 6 to 11. Though he was God, he did not think equality of God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. Therefore, God elevated him to the place of highest honour and gave him the name above all names, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue declare that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. John wants us to understand that Jesus is fully aware of his position and of his authority. Verse 1, Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and that he was returning to God. This knowledge makes his act even more extraordinary. The one with all power, all authority and all control sinks to the position of one who had the lowest status in society that day. Foot washing is a lowly and degrading task. When done by a wife for her husband, 
a child for his or her parents or a pupil for his or her teacher. It was always an act of extreme devotion. But since it was an act with social implications, no way do we ever find those with a higher status washing the feet of those beneath them. The final season of Downton Abbey commences tomorrow night. I'm a little bit excited about this. I find this historical drama fascinating. Some of you might find it boring, but that's okay. During this period of British history, social classes ruled the day. The lower class did not associate with the upper class and vice versa. It would be completely unbecoming for Lord Grantham to give Daisy and Mrs Patmore a break and wash up the dishes in the kitchen. It just wouldn't happen. In a similar way, a rabbi would never wash the feet of his disciples. It never happened. It never should or would happen. And yet, in this very moment, it is happening. The act of Jesus washing his disciples' feet is nothing short of amazing grace. It is a picture of God's unmerited favour. The disciples are completely undeserving. They have done nothing to warrant this. It's important to remember at this particular point in time, the disciples could have been a pretty hard bunch to love. They were arguing about which one of them was the greatest. One of them would betray him. One of them would deny him. Ten of them would desert him. This wasn't at all about anything they had done. It is a picture of what God does for us and indeed what God does for humanity in general. He stoops to a posture completely unbecoming for a king, let alone the Lord of creation. In my experience... We Christians talk about grace and sing about grace a lot more than we extend and receive grace. And I think that is partly because grace is so countercultural. It runs in the complete opposite direction of a society that prizes earning and deserving. In the economy of grace, the word earn or deserve has no place. Grace is not something that we can ever earn, nor is grace something that we ever deserve. Philip Yancey puts it so succinctly. Grace means there is nothing we can do to make God love us more, and grace means there is nothing we can do to make God love us less. Brendan Manning, in his book, All is Grace, writes... God loves you unconditionally as you are and not as you should be because nobody is as they should be. Jesus stooping to wash his disciples' feet is just such a beautiful picture of grace. We learn from this act that to be the recipient of an undeserved grace and mercy is the essence of what it means to be part of the Jesus movement. 
If you consider yourself a follower of Jesus, then entry into that followership, if you like, is undeserved grace and mercy. Profound thought. Jesus humbles himself to the status of slave. He extends his unmerited favour to his disciples. Humility is modelled by Jesus and humility will become the hallmark of the Jesus movement. Disciples of Christ have been set an example of which they are to follow. Serving one another in kindness and humility is to be the pattern for relationships in the family of God. Jesus said, Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you should also wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Jesus' heart was full of love for his disciples when he washed their feet. He truly wanted to serve them, but he also wanted to set them an example of what leadership looked like in his kingdom. In Luke's account of the Last Supper, a little further on from the verses we read a few minutes ago, we read, Jesus told them, at the table we assume, in this world, the kings and great men lord it over their people, yet they are called friends of the people. But among you are we different. Those who are the greatest among you should take the lowest rank, and the leader should be like a servant. Who is more important? The one who sits at the table or the one who serves? The one who sits at the table, of course, but not here. I am among you as one who serves. In the act of foot washing, Jesus was not just giving the disciples a lesson in humble service. He is doing something that symbolises his greater act of service on the cross. Peter is shocked and almost repulsed by what Jesus offers to do. This act of servanthood was so below Jesus, Peter sternly objects. He wants nothing to do with it. Lord, you will never wash my feet, Peter says. Whether Jesus came to him first, second or last, we don't know. But in a sense... Peter speaks for all the disciples. Remember, Peter is the spokesman of the disciples. And he obviously speaks for himself, but he could very well have been speaking for all the twelve. I wonder if this was indeed the feeling of the whole room. Similar to the unmet expectations of Jesus the Messiah being a political, military Messiah, this behaviour is so completely unbecoming and inappropriate for the Holy One of God. It's hard to find a modern equivalent that contains the total shock factor that Peter is experiencing in this moment. Perhaps having the Prime Minister in your house doing the laundry and cleaning your toilets might portray something of the moment. But there is an order to things. The lower serves the higher. The guest of honour receives. They don't give. Jesus clearly rewrites the rule book here. Leadership in the kingdom of God is marked first and foremost by humble service. Jesus responds to Peter saying, Unless I wash you, you have no part with me. 
given that the feet washing was symbolic of a much greater act of service, namely the cross. Jesus may have been referring to the fact that unless he washed away Peter's sins by his death on the cross, a relationship between them was not possible. Alternatively, perhaps Jesus meant that unless Peter could humble himself and accept the grace of God, that that would be a limiting factor for any relationship they might share. At any rate, Peter does not hesitate in responding. Then, Lord, not only my feet, but my hands and my head as well. Jesus must wash us if we are to belong to him. To refuse grace is to reject Jesus and have nothing to do with him. Peter wants the opposite. Jesus always goes first. He never expects us to do what he himself has not done. John affirmed this when he wrote, This is love. Not that we loved God, but that God loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. Jesus only expects his disciples to wash someone else's feet after they have been washed themselves. Unless a person has a profound experience of being loved, it is virtually impossible to express love for another. Where are you called to wash feet? Where is your area of service? Who are the people the Lord has placed around and in front of you of whom you can humbly serve and love? Jesus has given us an example to follow. To follow him is to model our lives after his life. To our guests of honour here today, Caring for children like you do is an act of feet washing. No one goes into the childcare industry to make money or build a promising career that entails status, success and promotion. You do it because you love kids, you believe in their potential and you want to make a difference in their lives. You do it because you have a desire to serve children and their parents. May God bless you. The ministry of Erina Community Baptist Preschool and Long Day Care Centre as you seek to serve all the children who come into your care. And may we all experience the wondrous grace and love of God. May we be humbled by this wonderful act of Jesus and be inspired to be a people who are known above all for our humility, for our love, and for our service of others. Let's pray. Well, Jesus, we, we are so familiar with this passage, and it is such a, a beautiful, deeply moving passage. But Lord, as we've discussed, it is so easy for us to miss the total shock factor of what you were doing 
And of course, what this would lead to is you would make the ultimate sacrifice on the cross. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you have set us an example to follow. And I pray that for each person here, Lord, who's a follower or a disciple of you, that we might show the world your great love by seeking to follow in your footsteps, being a people who specialise in washing feet. We love you, Lord, and we thank you again for this time. In your name we pray. Amen.